اشہد اللہ الہ الا اللہ وحدہ بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم This is chapter 2 verse 219 Yasalunaka anil khamri wal maysiri qul fihi maa اکبر مین and their sin is greater than their advantage and they ask you as to what they should spend say what you can spare thus allah does make clear to people the messages so that they may ponder the next is chapter 5 verses 90 and 91 فجت <coughs> succeed. بل خمری ول میسری و 
The devil desires only to create enmity and hatred among you by means of intoxicants and games of chance and to keep you back from the remembrance of Allah and from prayer. Will you then keep back? This topic came to mind when I saw an item on the news about um, <clears throat> a young man who had committed suicide. By all accounts, he was brilliant at studies and so on. And uh, he became addicted to gambling and ran up huge debts. He hid it all from his family and eventually he became so depressed that he killed himself. So I thought I'll speak about these verses of the uh, Holy Quran which, for, which uh, forbid these things. The first point that I want to make is that Quran forbids everything that is addictive. And that includes smoking and tobacco. You may say, well, why is uh, tobacco not mentioned? The reason is that it wasn't around at the time. If you're going to be literal, the Khamar is mentioned here, which is wine made from grapes. But wine is made from many other things. Wine, not wine, but alcoholic drinks are made from many other things. That is just one type. So are you going to argue that people are forbidden to drink those drinks that are made with uh, grapes? But what about those things which are not made, by, those alcoholic drinks which are not made by grapes? Are they then halal? And then what about wine that is made from red grapes or black grapes and wine that is made from uh, white grapes. Which one of those two are you going to say is haram? But when we look at these things, we look at the reason why. In law, there is there are two types of interpretations of laws which are um, even the parliament makes. One is literal interpretation and that is you act on the words and the other type is the purposive interpretation and that is to look at the purpose of passing that law. If you came to an escalator and the escalator had a notice which said dogs must be carried and you wanted to use that escalator, would you think that that means that you have to go out, you have to buy a dog, you have to come back and then use the escalator? 
what would you think that means? You would think that that means that if you have a dog, then you must carry that dog. Not that if you don't have a dog, you go out to the pet shop, you buy a dog, you come back and you pick it up and then you go up the escalator. So this is not something that I'm making up. This is something that is commonly known to lawyers. It's called purposive interpretation of law. Why was this law made? So we look at that. And the reason for making this law is that these are addictive. Alcohol is uh, uh, addictive. Gambling is addictive. Heroin is addictive. Cocaine is addictive. Tobacco is addictive. Anything that is an addiction is prohibited in, uh, in Islam. It's not just that, uh, hear the word, literally some people, Hazrat Maulana Muhammad Ali Sahib has translated that as intoxicants. To make this clear that all intoxicants, but some people actually translate it as wine. So, But here we also have gambling and sacrificing to stones mentioned at the same time, but separately. But these two are also addictions. I just want to first mention sacrificing to stones because I think that people who go to the graves of brain great saints and Sufis and then pay someone, some caretaker and then put over the grave made of stones, a silk sheet, a sheet made of flowers and so on and then pray to that grave for some desire or wish that they have to be allowed. They are doing this. They are sacrificing their hard-earned money to stones because that grave is nothing but a piece of stone. The person buried there is dead. He's passed on. He's with his maker. But then gambling is mentioned at the same time. Notice it's mentioned with other intoxicants. And uh, if we just take the UK, there are 430,000 people. Would you have believed this? 430,000 people, they are suffering from addiction to gambling. And this number has greatly increased recently. Can you guess at the reason? The reason is, number one, advertising on television and being able to gamble on television without leaving your house. Advertising on the internet 
advertising on your mobile phones where you can privately without anyone knowing gamble and become addictive have you seen lorry drivers driving 50 ton lorries and you see them suddenly look down take their phone out and check and check why because presumably the phone bleeped and a text message is coming is looking at that text message more important than driving safely just think about that but they're addicted to that to that texting it must be read immediately urgently what is so urgent about it and uh, you know there was a time when uh, pound was in crisis the, the sterling currency and the chancellor of the exchequer had left 11 downing street to go to united states and they had no means of contacting him because he was in the car there were no mobile phones there were no car phones there was nothing so they had to ring heathrow and leave a message for him not to go to United States and come back because of this crisis. Britain still managed the crisis, although the Chancellor didn't get that message for about an hour and a half. But can you see how you are, how we are all becoming addictive, addicted to these things? And the factors, other factors, economic downturn. Quarantine. People are sitting at home. They've got nothing better to do. I had a slogan when quarantine was first brought in. And that was, let's make quarantine Quran time. Let's go through the Quran. And I started uh, uh, reflecting upon words of the verses of the Holy Quran. And I've carried on with that. But people have nothing better to do. So they start gambling. Importantly, increased presence of betting shops, not just in high streets, but in poor areas. Let's do a survey. Let you and I get in our car and go to Mayfair, which is a very rich area in the UK and see how many betting shops there are. Let's go to Knightsbridge and see how many betting shops there are in Knightsbridge. Let's go to uh, Oxford Street and Regent Street and see how many betting shops there are there. You won't find any. But if you go into any poor area and go down the main street, not, not just the main street, but even in side streets, you have betting shops, you have shops with one-armed bandits, and so on. And of course, you have uh, increased, uh, I've mentioned not just advertising, but you've got platforms. Just like you can get an app 
to access your bank account, you can get an app to gamble. And of course, interestingly, there is the increased lottery draws. And it amazes me that if you say to people, please pay one pence in the pound extra on your income tax or national insurance, because government is short of money to pay the pensioners or to build hospitals to treat you, everyone is up in arms. But every day you see 20 advertisements on the television for health service draws. Buy a ticket for £5 or £10 or whatever, you may win £50,000 and all the money will go to uh, your local hospital and uh, etc. This is a kind of a voluntary tax that people are quite happy to pay. But they're not prepared to pay 1% extra on their uh, income tax or national insurance. So all these factors, they play a part. And you know, it's only 5% of compulsive gamblers who seek help in some program. And 95% had their lives ruined. And as I said, some kill themselves. And, uh, you know, the Holy Quran says, because it seeks to create enmity between you. If you're addicted to gambling or alcohol or heroin or whatever, and you spend all your money on gambling rather than putting food on the table for your wife and children, is that going to create love between you or hatred and enmity? Look at how far-sighted the Holy Quran was to mention this in general terms of addiction, that any addiction, to then go on to mention intoxicants and gambling specifically. You see, the gambling, the problem with gambling is that it puts you in a state of mind which says, you don't have to work hard. You don't have to do anything. You don't need to sweat to earn money. All you got to do is put a pound in there and put a pull a handle or whatever it is that you do. And you may win millions. Without any effort, you'll become rich. But if that was true, if that was true, why is the number of betting shops, casinos increasing in the West. If people were getting richer and richer, that means that these businesses would be losing money and they would be closing down. They're increasing because for one person who wins, there are a hundred thousand who lose. If everyone's putting in a pound to win 50,000 pounds, that means approximately one short of 50,000 have to lose for that one person to win. Probably more than that, because then you put in the expenses of running that business uh, and uh, so on and so forth. 
casinos in Vegas darken their windows so people can't tell whether it's day or not. Food and drink are brought to your table so that you don't have to get up from the table in case you don't come back. Everything is done. There are no clocks so that you can't tell the time to find out how many hours you've been gambling. And it does become addictive. <clears throat> we were in uh, Las Vegas. We rented a self-catering flat. Others who go to Las Vegas rent a room in a casino. We hired a car. We went to Death Valley. We drove to Valley of Fire. We drove to Lake Mead. We went to Grand Canyon and so on. What do others do? They book into this casino. They never go out of that casino because that casino has two, three hundred shops and 50, 60, 70 restaurants. And every facility to encourage you to stay in and gamble. And the gamble for a fortnight, 24 hours, or let, let's say they take a few hours sleep, they lose all their money. And then come back. For two weeks, they hardly see any sunshine. And people say, you know, oh, I've got plenty of money. I'm rich. This is not a problem. It is a problem. If you're rich and you've got spare cash, spend it for welfare of humanity. Feed the poor. Donate to the National Health Service. Buy your local hospital a scanner. Pay for a nurse's salary for a, for a year. Is it better to do that than just gamble it away? Then people say, I'm only gambling because I have debts. Once my debts are paid off, I will stop. No, you wouldn't. Because what you're doing is you're increasing your debts. You're not reducing them. And then there is this statistical myth. I've sat here all night and I've lost money all night. The law of averages tells me that now I'm bound to it. Next time I'm bound to it. I've got to bet again. Why? Because I've lost a thousand pounds. I want to get that thousand pounds back. You don't get it back. The adrenaline is going. The loss that you suffer is forcing you. But you're addictive. You can't get off that table. And uh, there's this thing about, you know, addictive gambling only affects irresponsible people. That's not true. The guy that I told you about, he was highly qualified. He was going to university. He had top class grades in A-levels. But he became addicted to gambling for some reason and eventually ended up taking his own life. The reason for addiction is lack of faith in God and your own ability 
And that is very dangerous. That is extremely dangerous. Because you think that uh, if I went out and I worked hard, and you know, there is no miracle recipe for success. It's based on hard work and confidence in yourself that you're going to succeed. If either of those, if either of those are lacking, then you won't succeed. If Bill Gates hadn't left university because he had this brilliant idea and set up a company in his bedroom and worked hard, would he be the richest man in the world? I mean, that applies to any of these billionaires, founder of Amazon, name any one of them. Founder of Amazon started in his father's garage. He noticed that if people ordered, I think he started with books or something, it was taking a long time to get books. So he set up some bookshelves in his father's garage and guaranteed, I think, a two-day delivery. And then from there he expanded. But there were two things he had. Number one, confidence in himself. And number two, hard work. And to that I add faith in God as well. That God is kind and beneficent and merciful. And if you work hard, he is going to reward you. As it says in the Holy Quran. That I reward your deeds. And that's one way of rewarding your deeds. But if you're going to say that I'm going to sit uh, uh, in, in, in some shop for 10 hours, punching money in and pulling uh, arms on a one-arm bandit or uh, pressing buttons on a machine or whatever and hoping that I'll hit the jackpot, you'll be sadly mistaken. Believe in God. Believe in yourself and work hard. Don't give in to any addiction that makes it sound, look or sound as if riches and success can be achieved without blood and sweat and unremitting, unending, unstopping hard work. And that starts from the day that you were born and it continues until the day you die. If you do that, only then will you be successful. Otherwise, there is a danger. I'm not saying it will happen, but there is a danger that you might get addicted to some get-rich-quick scheme. All these Ponzi schemes and pyramid selling and all of them are exactly the same. It's gambling and addiction and then chasing after the money that you've lost. So let us pray that Allah save us from uh, such addiction, whatever it may be. <clears throat> After uh, 
the praise will say funeral praise for Walters Easily, who passed away a short time ago. Um, and uh, although it's a sad news, but after that, I wish you and I pray to Allah to make 2022 a year in which he protects humanity and makes 2022 a happy and a prosper, prosperous year for the whole of humanity, not just for the few. Barakallahu lana wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Azim wa nafana wa iyaakum bil ayati wa zikri al-Hakim innahu ta'ala jawadun kareemun malikun barrawful rahim Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahduhu, and Astainuhu, and Astaghfiruhu, and Nominubihi, Watatabakalu Alehi, Wanauzu Billahi, Min Shurian Fusina, Wamin Sayi Ati Amalina, May Yahdihilahu, Palamudilahu, Wamay Yudlilhofala, Adiella. Ashadu ilaha illallahu wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasool. Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammadin. Kama sallayta ala ibrahima wa ala ali ibrahima. Innaka hamidun majid. Allahumma barik ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin kama barakta ala Ibrahima wa ala ali Ibrahima innaka hamidun majid. Allahumma ansur man nasara deena Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam waj'alna minhum waqsul man khazala deena Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Wala taj'alna minhum ibadallah rahi maqumullah innallaha ya'muru innallaha ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'izil qurba wa janha anil fakhshai wal munkari wal baghi ya'izukum la'allakum tazakkarun Kurullah, Yazkurkum, but who Yastajiblakum, Valazikurullah, Yakbert, 
ಅಕ್ಬರ್ ಅಲಹಮದುಲ್ಲಾಹಿಯೋಬಿದ್ದೀನ್ ಅಲಹಮದುಲ್ಲಾಹಿಯೋಬಿದ್ದೀನ್ ಅಕ್ಬರ್ ಅಲಹಮದುಲ್ಲಾಹಿಯೋಬಿಲ್ಲಾಲಮೀನ್ ಮಲಿಕಿನ್ನಾಸಿಲಾಹಿನ್ನಾಸ್ ಶರಿಲ್ವಸ್ವಾಸಿಲ್ಹನ್ನಾಸ್ ಅಲ್ಲಸೀಯುವಕ್ವೆ ಸುಫೀ 
Thank you for joining us for uh, our Friday service. Uh, we do our best and I hope you're finding them useful. I have a habit of trying to relate the guidance in the Holy Quran to what's going on around us rather than uh, uh, tell you stories of what happened 1400, 1500 years ago in the hope that uh, we might learn to apply Islam to our lives in this age and in this country. 
so thank you very much for all your thank you very much for all your encouragement and so on and uh, we are logging off now but we'll carry on with the uh, funeral prayers of uh, our brother who passed away assalamu alaikum khuda hafiz goodbye